Listening to the Bellator Christie podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Continuing our series we just begun, I think it was last week if I'm not mistaken, uh, called Ecclesia, which is the Greek word for the church. And uh, this series is going to be all about the church. You know, last week we spoke about the mission of the church, how we are uh, to go forth and evangelize and disciple uh, the world for Christ and several other things we mentioned last week. Today we want to look at a couple of selected passages of scripture as we discuss the people of God's church. Uh, Now, is the church this building? Is the church this beautiful stained glass, which I absolutely adore? Is the church the steeple or the grounds or the campus? Is that what makes the church? I'm sure you've heard the old saying, this is the church, this is the steeple, open the doors and there are the people. I can't hardly do that now in my 40s, or almost 40s as I used to be able to. But uh, is the steeple and the building and the doors, is that what makes the church or is it the people? In fact, beloved, you here are the church. If, if Jesus said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll rise it, from the, rise it up. What he's talking about is that he was the temple bringing God's covenant into all people. So you can take down this church. Heaven forbid if this church were to be destroyed, Huntsville Baptist Church would still stand. As long as you, the people are here. Amen? And so we're going to talk about uh, the people. What comprises the people of God's church? We're going to take a look at seven characteristics. So first of all, we want to look at, uh, we're going to look at two letters that Paul wrote, <coughs> excuse me, to the, ch- to the church. We want to first of all look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we do encourage everyone to please stand as we pay honor to the reading and hearing of God's precious holy word. We're going to read a few verses in 1 Timothy chapter 3, And we're going to come back to this uh, in the next uh, couple of series as we talk about the pastor and the deacons of the church. Then we're going to talk about the the baptism. Why do we baptize and communion? Why do we take communion? We're going to talk about that as well as we talk all about the church. But we're listening to a, a letter today. We're reading a letter today that Paul wrote to young Timothy who was a young pastor. Paul was in prison. He's writing to Timothy, a young pastor serving the church in Ephesus. And so uh, he writes these things. He says, these things I write to you 
though I hope to come to you shortly, but if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And now he quotes an ancient creed that, that goes back to the earliest church that God was manifested in the flesh, talking about Jesus, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. Now let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll read uh, <coughs> a few selected passages of scripture through uh, this, uh, this wonderful chapter on the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to read verses 1 through 14, uh, and then a, then a few other verses as we go along. And when you're there, let me hear you say amen. Paul writing to the church of Corinth. Corinth was a church that just, I mean, it was one problem after another. This church of Corinth had, had just had issues. And so Paul actually wrote four letters. Two of them are preserved in God's word. And this is just a church that had issues, and Paul kept writing them. And he says in chapter 12, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by and through the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member but many. Now let's go over down to verse uh, 23 and finish out the chapter. Now those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First, apostles, which are like modern-day missionaries. Second, prophets, which are like the preachers and pastors. Third, teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all have the same gift of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, 
but earnestly desire the better gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And this leads into chapter 13, which is the greatest gift of all, the gift of love. You know 1 Corinthians 13 to be the love chapter. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your holy word and what it means to us. And Lord, we just simply ask this morning that you allow me to speak the words that need to be spoken. Hold back any words that don't need to be spoken. And in and through it all, Lord, that you would open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, our hearts that will apply these things and be better for it. And so that we could be the church that you have called us to be, the people of whom you have called us to be. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. A business had recently moved from its old location to a new, its new location, and one of their clients had sent a bouquet of flowers to welcome them to their new, their new location. And in this, uh, in this bouquet of flowers, they had a card congratulating them on the move. And as the owner opened the, uh, the card admiring the flowers, he was uh, moved by the flowers, but he saw that the card said something peculiar. It said, rest in peace. You know, well, that's just an odd thing to be telling someone on moving their business to a new location. So he kind of had a chuckle about it. So he called the uh, client who sent the, uh, who sent the flowers, and he asked him about it. And the client says, well, that was not the card I sent. I'm going to call the florist who sent it and tell them they made a big major mess up here. And so he calls the florist. The client calls the florist and tells him, says, man, you guys, you guys really fumbled the ball here. You, I sent this bouquet of flowers and, uh, and, and, man, I'm going to tell you, it says, rest in peace. What in the world happened? And the floor says, uh-oh, that's not good. He said, well, what happened? He said, there was a mix-up. But he, sir, he said, sir, as much as I know that you're upset about this, you, you have to understand that this means that at a funeral somewhere, somehow, is a card saying congratulations on your new location. <laughs> not a good thing to happen. Well, obviously, the, the, the idea was switched around. It was not uh, what it was supposed to be. But understand, beloved, it, when, when we as a church have a misunderstanding of who we are and what we are as a church, we may be focused on things that really don't matter. And I believe that's why so many churches today are, are, are failing. So many churches today are falling by the wayside. I've been following Tom Rayner and his post and his blogs. And he said just this past week in his podcast, he, he, he knew of several other churches that closed their doors. It's happening at a faster rate more than ever before. It's, it's important that we as a church not only know and understand our mission as a church, but also understand who we are as the people of God in the church so that we can grow and that we can thrive and we can be a force for many generations in the future uh, here in this community. There are seven characteristics of, of God's people that I want to briefly look at this morning. And so we encourage you to write these things down in the insert of your bulletin as we go along. Looking at these two particular passages of Scripture, we understand first and foremost that the people are, of, of the church are a saved people. They are a saved people. When a person comes and enters the membership of the church, they are a person whose life has been transformed by the power and grace of Almighty God. Now we have to understand that many people come to church, but not everybody is part of the church. Because the church is comprised of born-again believers 
who have entrusted themselves to, to Jesus Christ, who have been saved by the grace of Almighty God, and they, beloved, comprise this kingdom of God that God is moving on into this world and into the future uh, 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 eternity. Newt Larson explains that the emphasis is on God who is alive, as he talks about in 1 Timothy, the church of the living God. This group known as the church is distinctive from all other groups because the one who has been called, who has called us, is an ever-living, ever-present God. There is no club meeting based on ideology, the religion of ritual or idols. The church meets to worship the living God as its members have the Spirit of God within them. Paul even notes in verses 1 through 3 of 1 Corinthians that the church is comprised of individuals who may have led lives following after these false idols, but who have been awakened and quickened by the Spirit of God, who've left those idols by the wayside and now worship the one true living God. The church is a saved people, amen? The church is a group of saved individuals. And beloved, I want, to understand, I want to let you know this. There is not such a thing as a perfect church. Because the moment we enter those doors, that church becomes imperfect. Because we're imperfect people. But we serve a perfect Savior. And it's not whether or not we are perfect or not. It's whether Christ is perfect or not. It's whether His salvation is perfect or not. And if we have received the forgiveness of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are being molded and made into His image we're on a process of transformation called sanctification. We're not what we need to be, but praise God, we're not what we used to be. That's the, whole, that's the whole emphasis of salvation, and that's what it means to be the people of God. I was interviewing not long ago, a few years back, in fact, Amanda Burcham, uh, pastor, uh, the wife of Pastor Christopher Burcham. And she talked about how she was involved in many different cults, from Mormonism to the occult, uh, even being in witchcraft and things of that nature. But Christ got a hold of her life. And she even words it this way, that the Holy Spirit of God wooed her. She thought she was nothing, but Christ through the Holy Spirit showed her that she meant a lot. She thought she, her life meant nothing, but Christ through the Holy Spirit let her know that her life was valuable, that she was worthy, that she was accepted into the kingdom of God. She had experienced the grace of God. And beloved, those of us who are part of the true, genuine church are made up of individuals whom the Holy Spirit has saved. So the church is a group of saved people. Number two, the people of the church are a baptized people. In verse 13, Paul notes that we're baptized into one spirit, into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Now there are two types of baptisms, I believe. We have the baptism that we do here at, the, here at the church. And what is baptism all about? Well, we're going to talk about that in a future message. But baptism essentially is this. Baptism of water doesn't save you. It doesn't save me. But it's an outward expression of an inward transformation that's already happened. You see, when you are saved by the grace of God, the Spirit of God baptizes you. He comes upon you at that moment in time when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And He abides in your spirit and you abide in Him. As Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Where there's that abiding that takes place through the Holy Spirit of God. So we baptize individuals, we baptize individuals to, as a public profession of faith. That's why we do it. And beloved, understand, if, if, and I understand this completely. There are people who are afraid of water. I understand that. I understand that completely. 
I'm not a very good swimmer myself. But I, but I had a woman one time before, she says, Pastor, I'm afraid to be baptized because I'm afraid of water. And I told her, I said, honey, I won't, pu- I won't put you all the way down, I promise. I'll just get the back of your head wet because it's symbolic, okay? The water doesn't save anybody. It's a profession of faith is what it is. It's standing up saying, everyone, I have received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He is my Savior, and I'm telling everybody about it. That's why we do it. But being in the ministry, I have to say that there are some funny things that happen. Now, if, if I'm the one that baptized you, you know that I tell you to keep your knees bent. There's a reason I tell you this. Because once before I baptized a guy who was a pretty big guy. And I told him before going in, I says, bend your knees, okay? When you're going to lean back, bend your knees. You need to do this, okay? Well, we got up there and did my whole thing. I said, I said uh, have you received Christ? He says, yeah. I says, upon profession of faith of our brother so-and-so, in obedience to the Lord's command, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He went down. He didn't bend his knees. His legs came up. And here he was floating on the water. Here I am trying to make sure he's holding up here. And so I'm sticking one leg, trying to get his leg down. <laughs> That's the wildest baptism I've ever seen in my life. But it had, we did it. We got through it. And praise God for it. But again, baptism itself isn't what saves you. The, bapt- the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what matters. When He comes upon our hearts and He transforms us and He identifies with us. But it's important that we are baptized individuals simply being that we are telling the world who we are in Christ Jesus. That's why we baptize. That's why we do that as a church. Number three, the people of the church are a holy people. In 1 Timothy 3.15, he notes that uh, God's people ought to know how to conduct themselves in God's household. And here he's pointing to an aspect that, uh, that, that we as God's people, we're not perfect individuals. We don't claim to be perfect individuals. But we strive to live a lifestyle that God would consider as good. We strive the best of our ability to do what we're supposed to do for the glory of God, for His holiness, for His glory. As, as God told the Hebrew people, He said, he said uh, You are to keep my commands and do them. I am the Lord. You must not profane my holy name. I must be treated as holy among the Israelites. I am the Lord who sets you apart, the one who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. Folks, have you ever been really thankful to someone for something that somebody has done for you? If someone, maybe someone went out of their way to help you, and you are really appreciative. If you're really appreciative, aren't you going to want to show thanks to that person? I believe that's what we do when we obey the commands of the Lord. We realize the fact that we're not perfect people. We're never going to be perfect people. But if we're really thankful for what the Lord has done in our lives... We're going to strive to live after the Lord. We're going to strive to keep His commands. Jesus even said once before, Why do you say that you love me and do not do the things that I say? That's, a, that's something we all must ask ourselves. If we truly love the Lord and we're truly thankful for what He has done in our lives, you know, we should strive to live lives of holiness. Amen? We should strive to let everybody know that we are thankful to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for what He has done for us and who he's made us, and who he is making us. Number four, the people of the church are a truthful people. In verses uh, 15 and 16 of 1 Timothy, 
Uh, Paul teaches Timothy that God's people are a truthful people as they are stand upon the pillar and foundation of the truth. He even goes on to quote an early creed that they had all accepted as true, that Jesus was manifested, being God, manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, was seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. The people of God's church must strive, must, be, must desire to have the truth because we realize the truth is what sets us free. Amen? The truth of Jesus Christ is what sets us free. I think back upon the medieval times, there was a group of individuals uh, called the Knights Templar. And they uh, went out of their way to make sure that when the, the, the holy lands, or when the Christian lands were under attack, that they would preserve uh, ancient documents, ancient Bibles, ancient texts. They would preserve ancient relics. They would put their lives on the line, they put their lives on the line to preserve truth and make sure that future generations would be able to know the truth, know the truth of these different things that they held in their possession. Beloved, we as God's people are the keepers and protectors of truth. We must strive to protect truth in a world that seeks to lead us astray. We must stand steadfast upon the precepts and principles of God's holy word and not be led astray. Beloved, when we get into trouble is when we go in one or two different directions. I believe there's two sides of the same coin. I think a lot of, a lot of churches today, they'll get into legalism. Legalism is to have truth with no love. And that's obviously not what we want to do. Because when we do that, we make it more about the do's and don'ts than about the grace of God. But on the flip side, there's churches that fall into liberalism, which is all love with no truth. And likewise, when that happens, churches will stray from the teachings, clear teachings of God's holy word, and they, both sides of the same coin stray out in areas that are outside, I believe, the grace of God and the truths of God's word. We need to find ourselves dead center with what God's holy word says. Learn from God's word. Strive to and, 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 uh, develop in his truth and not stray from the truth that he has given us. Number five, the people of the church are a gifted people. You're a gift. Did you realize that? Each and every one of you in here today who has been saved by the grace of God, you're gifted. Did you know that? You are, you're a gifted people. Now, I wasn't in high school. In high school, I didn't really do my best. I was just wanting to get out of high school, to be honest with you. I was never in the AG programs or anything like that, but the AG programs academically gifted. I was academically goofed, <laughs> to be honest with you, in high school. But, you know, but we look at people who are really good at sports or who are really good in, in academics and we say those people are gifted. But the Bible says that each and every one of you who are in the grace of Almighty God, you are gifted people. John Chrysostom st uh, st uh, states that, uh, that Paul implies that there is no difference in the gifts of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that, and that he does not confuse the persons of the Trinity, but declares equal honor of the essence since the Spirit bestows, God works, and the Son likewise ordains and grants. We are doing what we're doing, not for personal fame or fortune, but for the glory of Almighty God, because what you do for this church, folks, it matters. Did you know that? What you do for this church matters. Each and every one of you have different gifts and abilities, you have gifts and abilities that I don't have. 
Now, I've been, I've been called to preach and teach the Word of God. And some of you in here today, you may have that same calling upon your life. But or it may be that God is calling you down a different route. And you know what? It may be that you're not to preach or teach. But that's okay. You may have other gifts and abilities that you can do that no one else can do. I don't know hardly anybody who can cook barbecue like Bob does. That's a gift from God, amen? Now, if you want his barbecue, you better say amen, amen? <laughs> I'm trying to help you out there, Bob. <laughs> but, you know, not everybody is gifted in the same way. In fact, uh, I'm going to tell a little tale on Jennifer here. When we were at a previous church, Jennifer volunteered to... T- <laughs> I'm getting a look there. Francis, you may have to help me out here now. Uh, I, she volunteered to teach vacation Bible school. She was drafted to do that. That's what happened. She was drafted to teach vacation Bible school. And about one or two days in it, she said, Brian, I'm not a teacher. I wasn't called to be a teacher. I got drafted to do the rest of the class. And, you know, that was okay. You see, her gift may not be teaching. My gift may be teaching. But she is gifted in ways that I'm not gifted. She can, you you put her to doing something. I'm going to tell you what, she can see things that need to be done in a moment's notice. In fact, she'll tell me to go out and look for something. I'll pass by it five times before I ever see it most times. I mean, the fact is, is we are all gifted in different ways to do different things. But you know what? That's the way God designed it to be. If all of us were good at the same thing, we would be in trouble. Amen? If we were all good at one thing and not good at anything else, we would all be in trouble. That's why God saves people and gives People, different people, different gifts to do different things, and all of them are just as honorable. Listen, let me tell you something. The, gift, the work that she was doing, uh, at working behind the scenes, was just as important as the work I was doing teaching those kids. You know, and it's like I told mom, I don't mean to get off the topic here, but uh, grandpa would not be who he was if it were not for grandma. He really wouldn't. Because she did a lot of things behind the scene that no one ever saw. She did a lot of things behind the scenes that allowed Grandpa to be able to stand up and preach and teach the Word of God unhindered. She did a lot of things behind the scenes that no one ever knew about. And I want to tell you, it was just as important. Everything she did was just as important as what he was doing. Yes, what he was doing is important, absolutely important. But the things that she did as well was important. JFK once said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Beloved, I think that we as in the church need to ask the same question. Instead of asking, does this church meet my needs, we need to start asking, what can I do to meet the needs of this church? Amen? That's what makes us the people of Almighty God. Number six, the people of the church are a united people. Praise God in a world full of division. We as God's people can be united. No, we may not always agree with one another. You know what? That's all right. We may not always see eye to eye. You know, some churches may not like one color carpet and some other churches may like another color carpet, but who in the world cares? Amen? What does that have to do with the price of tea in China? I mean, absolutely nothing. We get all bent out of shape over these things that don't really matter. When we ought to be focused upon the unity that we have in God, the unity we have in the Holy Spirit. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, that we are baptized by one spirit into one body, whether you're Jew or Greek, whether you're a slave or free, we're all given one spirit of God to drink. 
We as God's people are a united people. United we stand, divided we fall. That's why as the people of God we must desire and seek out unity. If we don't, we're dead on arrival. (laughs) We really are. We must strive for unity. We must thrive for unity because that is glorifying and honoring unto God. We as a people all serve a purpose in God's house. We all have a work to do. You know, a lot of times we look at in, in people who take out the trash. Maybe that's not as important as teaching. But let me tell you something. It's very important. Praise God for those people who take out the trash. You know what it would be like if we let the trash keep sitting there and, and, and no one would want to be around to hear anything because it stink us out of the building. Praise God for those individuals who do tasks. But what we see, what Paul says here through the Spirit of God is each and every one of us are important and in fact are vital to God's church. You are important to his church. I knew a teacher when I was in high school. She was a math teacher. And for something, I can't remember what happened, but she had to have one of her little toes amputated. And she thought to herself going into that, well, it's just a little toe. It's not going to make that big of a difference. Well, she was fooled by that because when she came back, she told us, you would not believe what that one little toe does to your balance. Missing that one little toe, she started staggering, stumbling into things, tripping and falling like she'd never done before because missing that one little toe. Understand it's the same way with the church of God. Each and every one of you have an importance. Each and every one of you are just as critical, if not more so, than I am standing here today. Every single one of you play an important role, and without you, the church would stumble The church would stumble and have a lot of problems. Each and every one of you in here today hold an importance. And that's what Paul is telling us in this text as well. We also see last but certainly not least that the people of the church are a ministering people. We're all called to do different things. Not all of us is called to do the same task. He goes on to say that uh, there are um, first apostles... There are those who are called to be, in our modern context, missionaries. And praise God for individuals who go forth in the places where the gospel is not found, preaching, putting their lives on the line many times, preaching and teaching the word of God. There are those who are called prophets, which simply means those who speak on behalf of God. And we understand this to be the role of the pastor and preacher. Third, there are teachers Afterwards, there are workers of miracles. These these are individuals who have such faith in Christ that God can do something spectacular that they, they they face just unbelievable odds and still trust God, seeing God work miracles. Then gifts of healings. Those who help individuals, like our doctors and nurses. Praise God for our doctors and nurses. Amen? Praise God for our caretakers, individuals who are there caring for the sick. Caring for those who are hurt. Those of helps. Those who, who help in ways that many of us never see. I guarantee you there are many people in this church today who do things behind the scenes that no one sees but God. And I say to you, praise God for you. Because that's a gift. There are administrations. Varieties of tongues. And I interpret the variety of tongues to mean languages. Translating the word of God. I believe in our modern context, that's what that means. Not everyone will agree, but that's what my, that's what my take is. And he asked the question, are all apostles or all prophets? And the answer is no. 
Because we all have a role that we have. And what's important for us to do as the people of God is to find our gift in the Spirit of God because every single one of us have a gift given to us. Find the gifts that God has given us and use it to minister to someone else. It's not meant to hoard up and keep on our own. It's meant to give away. Amen? It's meant to give away. In fact, I'm not, I, I, you know, again, I say I have the, the personality type of an INTJ, which I'm not a very emotional person most times. But I, want, I came back from, uh, many of you know that I'm applying for a doctorate program at Liberty University. If I, I may not get into it, and that's fine. If I don't, if I do, I'm putting it all up at the will of the Lord and see what happens. But I got a call from the admissions office, and a lady called, and uh, we were talking, and she was asking if I had turned everything in, and I told her I had submitted everything. And she uh, was telling me about, uh, about her grandpa, and her grandpa had passed not long ago. And I told her, uh, she was asking about some other things, and I told her, I said, well, I may have to wait a week or two and to see because my grandmother's not doing well. And she heard that, and the we start, more we started talking, you know what happened? And you people ask me why I love Liberty University. This is one of the reasons. You know what she did? She says, let me pray for you. And I'm going to tell you, by the time she finished praying for me and for my family, we were both in tears. That's probably the longest admissions call she's ever had. But I'm going to tell you what, the Spirit of God was there because God was using her gifts to minister to me. And I'm going to tell you what, I had Holy Spirit goosebumps all over my body after that call was over. I was in tears, she was in tears. And I'm going to tell you the Holy Spirit was there in that phone call. Beloved, you may not know where or you may not know how, but God has called you to reach someone for His honor and for His glory. And you have the gifts and you have the abilities to do just that because of the Spirit of God working in you and the Spirit of God working through you. Unity in diversity. Speaking of universities, if you go to any given university, you'll see that there are several different colleges there. You may have the College of Philosophy, the College of Divinity. You may have the College of History. You may have the College of Social Sciences, the College of Law, and the College of Psychology and Medicine, and so on and so forth. But it all comes together under the name of the university, which means, though divided, though, though diverse, I mean, there's one. The United States even has the motto, E Pluribus Unum, through the many, one. Beloved, I dare say to you today that that's exactly what the church is. Many of us come from different walks. We've had different experiences in life. We have different gifts and talents. But we have one unifying thing. That God Almighty has saved us through Jesus Christ, has filled us with the Holy Spirit of God, and has given us gifts and abilities that He has not given anyone else. If you leave here today, understand this one thing. You are a gifted person. You may not feel like it, but you are. You're a gifted person. God has bestowed gifts upon you that no one else can do. My question to you today, are you going to use it to glorify God? Are you going to use it to benefit this church? Again, I say to you, instead of asking, what can this church do for me? We ought to be saying, what can I do for this church to glorify God, to benefit His kingdom? Because I tell you, that's what it's all about. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let me just say that He is standing at the door, knocking on your heart, inviting you to come and receive 
His salvation full and free that He grants to you if you'll simply respond to His Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you've never received Him, I encourage you to come even now. Maybe you're here today and maybe you, maybe you feel God calling you to do something. And you just want to just simply submit your life to the Lord and say, Lord, whatever you're calling me to do, wherever you're going to send me, whatever you want me to do, I am willing to do that. I am willing to make that leap of faith. Or maybe you'd like to come and join the ministry of Huntsville Baptist Church. Whatever God is saying and doing in your heart and your life, we just encourage you to come as he calls. Dear kind of gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for all that you do and continue to do. Lord, have your will and your way upon this service today. Have your will and your way on this time of invitation. And Lord, help everyone that know. First and foremost, Lord, if there's anyone here today who's never received you, we ask that you would bring them to that saving faith that can come only through you. And Lord, we want to just ask, Lord, that you would bless over this church here at Huntsville Baptist Church. Maybe you're calling someone today to do a particular task. Maybe you're calling a person to, to go out on the mission field. Maybe you're calling a person to preach the gospel. Maybe you're calling a person to serve in more capacities here at this church. Whatever you're doing and saying, we just ask, Lord, that through this moment of invitation, that you would have your will and your way. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you please stand as we sing our final selection? Jesus paid it all. <laughs> to serve and find ways this week that, that you can minister to someone because you're gifted, each and every one of you are in God's ways, through God's spirit each and every one of us have a gift of the Holy Spirit. This time we're going to close and we're also going to move into our business uh, session. Uh, we're going to ask Brother Philip if he would to close us with a word of prayer.
succeed as a church or we fail as a church. Lord, do not let this church fail anyone. This community needs to know your love. Lord, as this church goes and as these people serve, Lord, let us reach all the community and reach all those that need to be saved. Because that is the glory of your name is that we can save everyone. Lord, go with us throughout this week. Go with us throughout this business session. And Lord, thank you for everything you've done and everything you will do. In your precious and holy name. Amen. The Bellator Christi Podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights are reserved. The views expressed by guests on the podcast are of those expressing them and may not represent those of the host Bellator Christi Ministries or its affiliates. The theme played on the podcast is the song Epic and is produced royalty-free by Bensound Studios, found at bensound.com. Visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe by entering your email to receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox absolutely free. This podcast can also be found on several podcatchers including iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We thank you for joining us today. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless and we'll see you next time as we enter into the arena of ideas.